Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game! Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped the keeper! Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. And we're away. A bit of a late start this week. I think uh, Lockie got into too many of the Christmas chocolates and we had to carry him off in an ambulance. But uh, Josh Parrish and Nick Hughes here. A little bit of a new look for us, but... uh, very much looking forward to today's program, Nick. Uh, who have we got coming up? Uh, it's a big one. We've got uh, the the main man, the form man at the moment for Western United, Connor Payne, straight off the top. Uh, he's you know, banging him in at the at the moment. Mm-hmm. Last two games, two goals, two match winning goals, uh, and then after that, we'll be speaking to Caleb, uh, Western United super fan, uh, who's got some uh, some interesting new ink that I'm sure will uh, will be very interesting to to chat about. Absolutely. We're also going to test his knowledge. So mm. he claims to be a big Western United fan. We're going to put that to the test. We've got FNR's champion quizzer <laughs> with us here in the studio. He hasn't seen the questions. So we're going to give Caleb the chance to answer. And then Nick Hughes, the, uh, it's a bit like the chaser. You're, yeah. uh, you're sitting in the booth with a kind of poker face on, hey, trying to chase him down. So looking forward to that. But first, if, as you mentioned, the informed man scored the winner on the weekend against Adelaide United in another 1-0 triumph. Impenetrable defending at the moment and that crucial, crucial goal coming from his left fa- less favoured right boot, Connor Payne. Uh, welcome to the green room, mate. Hey, guys. Pleasure to be here. It's absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I don't think any of the Adelaide United defenders expected you to cut onto your right foot there, but uh, looks like you've been doing some work on your, uh, your swinger there. Yeah, I was going to say maybe they should because when I was at Mariners, I scored one on their patch with my right foot as well. So I don't know, maybe they were just underestimating me a little bit. But um, yeah, it was it was good good when it went in. So you've been converted to a left wing back and then back to a winger this season. Are you relishing the opportunity to get a bit further forward like the old days? Yeah, it's been an interesting one. Um, obviously, when the boss came in, he sort of let me know that, that was what he sort of saw. And, and I'm sort of happy to play anywhere down that left side in particular. Um, you know, I enjoyed the two years at wingback, but it's been a nice change so far. And you scored an absolute uh, worldie in uh, Geelong against Brisbane Raw the other week. That uh, that volley that you, I think you had to jump to get the, the purchase on it, but that one flew into the top corner. That must have felt pretty good. Yeah, it was good because it was one of those games where the first half I think we could have had three or four and being clear and it was starting to get a bit frustrating and we knew that the chance would come and, and lucky for me, Lockie sort of put in a peach of a ball that you don't get much time to think about and they're sometimes the best ones and they're and, and nicely nestled in the in the corner. So I was pretty pretty pleased. It actually reminded me of a goal Robin Van Persie scored back in the day. I don't know if you remember it. He's, he, loved, <laughs> he loved a jumping volley. Yeah, it's, it's that awkward height where it's sort of knee, thigh height and you have to jump to get a hold of it, but it, it flew in off your foot, mate. Let's not draw too many. Actually, uh, yeah, there we Ooh, go. There we're we go. we're back. back. <laughs> we're back. Uh, we've had what some tech night. issues here at the studio, so the <laughs> problem might be on our end. There's a bit of construction going on next door. There's a bit of construction going on uh, down the road as well. Western United making some headway on their new stadium. Uh, Connor, just how excited would you be to, to play in the new venue once it's built? Yeah, you know, it would be great, obviously, to to get that one all, all finished and uh, hopefully I'm still around by the time that that comes to fruition. So yeah, everyone's looking forward to that sort of thing. Is it something that I guess the, the group sort of thinks about um, talk about being a young club, being uh, very ambitious, you know, everyone that we've had on this show uh, in, in the past few weeks have said it, particularly the, the new guys that have come in have said that one of the key uh, points uh, or the key reasons why they wanted to come here was because of the ambition shown in the conversations that they had. Is that something that the the group sort of thinks about taking those steps and then with that goal to, to reach that stadium and, and I guess make that a fortress out in the West? Yeah, obviously, because I've been here a couple of years now. So it was sort of definitely in my thinking when I uh, was joining the club. 
and I've seen no reason for that to change. So, you know, the people they're bringing in and the, the ambition that everyone in the dressing room has, um, you know, hopefully to, to manage to win something before the stadium is built. But um, if not, you know, just to, to, for that to come to fruition all around the same time would be great. So, you know, we've got a lot of good people at the club and a lot of people with a lot of high ambition. You've been a, a day one Western United player, round one, got that assist for Bessar Barisha in the first game. Just how have you seen the, the progress that the club has made over the time that you've been there? Yeah, it's been great. Obviously, any club that's new has their teething problems and, and we were no different. Um, but obviously, it was great to get that round one flying uh, with a win away at Wellington, which doesn't happen too often. Um, yeah, but it's just been sort of growing from strength to strength and, and getting the right people in the club and all that is a process. Um, but I think we're really happy with where we're at and where we're going. Obviously, you I guess made your name in the A-League and, and broke through with Melbourne Victory, arguably the the biggest club in the A-League and certainly a, a huge face in Melbourne. Then making that jump to the new club, the the one the, that's expanding through Melbourne and through Victoria now, what were some of the some of the differences, some of the challenges um, joining that new club compared to some of the things that you'd been used to? Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things where you came in and everything we needed was pretty much there already. So it was a different experience, not necessarily what I expected. You know, with an expansion team and and things that have to a lot of moving parts, get everything going in the right direction, but. You know, we had a great little training ground there at Caroline Springs and, um, you know, we walked through the door the first day and the professionalism was already there to be seen. So, to be honest, there was absolutely nothing to complain about. And you mentioned victory there, of course, uh, this week's opponents, uh, a former club of yours, Connor. Uh, it must mean a lot when you, you come up against the victory. I don't think anything of it personally, to be honest. Um, obviously, it was great had a great time there and enjoyed playing there and um but you know that's a fair few years ago now i just think i just think with all the fans and stuff at the back and you saw in the derby last weekend um how how loud they were and stuff i think that sort of you know sets the tone for a big game on the pitch so i think that's generally what everyone's really looking forward to i don't think anything personally of it you you don't uh have that little burning desire inside you to to prove them wrong for letting you go don't get the big graham arnold you didn't want him uh, not really, no. I sort of that ran through my mind when I was on the coast a little bit, um, but I think too much time has passed to really be thinking about that now. Yeah, right. So, what what motivates you as a footballer? What what kind of uh, player are you mentally? Because some players, you know, they've got that um, you know me versus the world mentality. Some of them are more intrinsically motivated. What what gets you getting up in the morning and training hard? Yeah, look, I, I I don't really know. I'm sort of a pretty chilled out guy, and I think you've had a fair few of the boys on here that are that sort of type of person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I obviously like to just show up and and just leave everything out there and take things day by day. I don't I don't really see the whole world against me card as as a thing. Uh, that's probably just my mentality. I just try and enjoy every day as much as possible. Really, talk about leaving everything out there. We've had uh, who have we had from the. The attacking contingent, Lockie Wales, yep. Dylan Wenzel-Halls, uh, Alexander Prijevic as well. And we've asked each of them, or Josh and Lockie more accurately, have asked each of them uh, about the, the competition for places uh, up front. Now, obviously, you've transitioned uh, to play more frequently now on, on that left wing. So what's your view on that competition for, firstly, competition for places? And is there any um, you know friendly uh, bets or anything behind the scenes for who can score the most goals or get the most assists or anything like that? Um, yeah, obviously the competition is really healthy. We've got a good mix of um, experienced boys as well as some really good uh, kids that are up and coming as well. So, you know, if you're not switched on every day, it's, you know, there might be someone sort of down here trying to get your spots. So that part of it's really great. I think that's the key to having a winning team is that healthy competition where, you know, your spot's not guaranteed. Um, and in terms of the bet, um, I don't know if you've heard, but, Dylan Wenzel Halls and Diamante normally have a bit of a bet going on um, in training, which is that it's that smaller thing. Like it's not about, you know, who's going to get the most goals for the year or anything like that, but it's literally like him versus him, whoever gets the most, whoever scores the most goals in that session at the end of training wins. And I don't know what sort of prizes they're giving out to each other, but I, I think if I'm not wrong, I think Dia has the edge on him at the moment, <laughs> but that's ongoing. That's every week. So, 
Wow. So you don't know what the stakes are because we had a, an MPL club on here telling us that two players had a bet going for goals during the season and the loser had to dye their hair blonde. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's as extreme as that. I think it might <laughs> be more of a financial thing, like, but I'm not too sure. <laughs> You, you I'll say clear that. I'll yeah. say clear that. Ah, uh, V, that that uh, beats my my question. I was going to say, you ever get involved in that? Um, obviously, you you haven't necessarily been a, a huge goal scorer throughout your career, but a, a brilliant start to this campaign with with two goals in five games. You're not, um, you know, reminding Lockie Wales that he's yet to get off the mark. No, because I I really like for him to get off the mark as well, and and for us to cheat, just keep scoring goals in general. What are the goals for you this season and the goals for the group more generally? Um, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's sort of like going back to the whole um, not setting too many goals. Um, just hang on, I'm just messing around with this thing. Um, there we go. All right. Yeah, sort of like for me personally, it's just about taking every day, like I said, as it comes. And, and, and for us, I think it's not about putting a definite target on on where we want to finish. It's just about trying to get used to the way we want to play and we've still got a lot of improving to do in that regard um, and then just trying to accumulate as much points and, and as possible and just see where it takes us really. So it's a fairly broad aim. It's not like we're going to say we want to win the league or do this or that. We just want to play some really good stuff and then if you do, if you know that if you do that right and you do it well, then you'll climb that table. And does that come from John Aloisi? Have you connected with his kind of view on football and his outlook? Because from the players we've talked to so far and the people at the club, it seems like uh, John's personality has really resonated and, and created a really harmonious and, and uh, collaborative atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's, his personality is very infectious. He knows what he wants, but um, he's also happy to, you know, smile and have a bit of fun along the way. So he knows that his vision is really clear and we know what's expected of us. And I think that's the best way that you can sort of run a football club. So that's definitely come from him. And also uh, he's brought Hayden Fox in as well. That's sort of um, definitely onto the boys about little habits as well. So, you know, it's all it's all coming together nicely so far. Yeah, a lot of the guys have been shouting out uh, Hayden Fox in in the last few weeks since the season started and particularly on the defensive end, there's there's obviously been a lot of talk about um, the the back line at the moment, not yet to not yet conceded from open play. You know, Leo Lacroix come in and, and looked fantastic, but in multiple post-match press conferences, we've heard uh, John Aloisi stress that it's not just the back four and the goalkeeper, or it's not just you know Neil Kilkenny or whoever's playing that holding midfield role, but the defensive effort really comes from all eleven players on the pitch. So, as an attacker yourself, and as someone who has previously played in, I guess, a more defensive-minded position, how um, how much importance do you take personally to your own defensive responsibilities? Yeah, I think that's one of the good things about having played back there. You can appreciate the work that uh, these fullbacks have to do. Um, you know, and I think it's true with what he says. It's sort of the defence, you defend from the front as well. So, you know, you've you got to, he's sort of whipped us into to realise that you've got to go back into shape and help out at the back as well. Um, well, you know, at the front of the back. But yeah, so putting pressure on the ball, cutting passing lanes, this sort of thing. So it's definitely an element of the game that's, fairly new to me um, in terms of how how structured we need to be up there. So um, I think it is a collective effort, but you, like you said, you can't really go past what the boys at the back have been doing there. They've been, been unbelievable. So they've been the reason why we can push on and win games when we've not really scored any more than one in any particular game. So, you know, I think credit has to go to those guys as well. What's playing with Diamante like? Is he uh, kind of general on the field? Does he order you around or does he just lead by example? Because I see a lot of hand gestures, but that might be just him talking to the ref. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. I think he, he knows what he wants um, as well so that we can get the best out of him. And he, he obviously asks things of you so that we can get the best out of ourselves. So it's a little bit of both. Um, obviously, I know him quite well now, so I think we have a fairly good relationship with all that sort of stuff. So... But it's um it's good it's good to have him out there and also you got uh, Neil Kilkenny behind him as well who who's been a really 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 important part of helping me improve as well in that defensive shape too because he sort of helps me you know almost like another coach on the field and I think he's uh, been really really good for me personally and for the team collectively. I mean you can see it with with Killer out there the the communication and the experience that he has. 
I mean, th- th- that's bags of experience over in England, playing in high stakes games for for Leeds United and so forth. So th- th- there's quite a lot of uh, impressive entries on the CVs of of your teammates this season. You look at the foreign players that have been brought in, your Prijevic's, Leo Lacroix looking like. A uh, bit of a Rolls Royce of a central defender. Who's the toughest opponent that you have to come up against as, as a direct opponent in training? In training, uh, it, it's going to have to be probably Leo, just because how big he is. Like <laughs> so well, but like you, you could outdo him, and then he's like just a leg comes out of nowhere, and you're like, hey, where'd that come from? Kind of thing. So. Um, Leo or just uh, again killer because he's just everywhere as well so one of those players you think you're clear of and he sort of just comes back for more and, and also you've got to say Josh Risden too he's an absolute animal so and I think we've started to see the absolute best of him at Weston as well um, Touchwood with all the injuries and stuff so he's absolutely flying at the moment too so he's, he's definitely a tough one to get past I was going to touch on Rizzo. I mean, that was such an awful injury that he suffered. That freak kind of bone infection, was it? I don't, know, I don't want to get into yeah. the gross <laughs> details of yeah. it, but it must have been tough for, for him watching on from the sidelines. And, and you guys as well, knowing you had a Socceroos caliber player just with this this run of bad luck. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's obviously you guys would have met him. He's one of the best guys you'll meet as well. Losing that on the pitch as well, and in, in that regard, is also a, is, it's a tough ask. But you know, I think it's just testament to him the way he's come back because he, you know, he never really had a time frame on these things because it was so obscure and weird, a, a type of injury that it was sort of just see how you go. And you know, I just think it's it's great to have him back and then playing so well. And not only has he come back and and been playing well as you mentioned, but he's also come. Uh, in that leadership role as the the vice captain, what's um, I guess what's the has there been any sort of change to the relationship with um, with him as as vice captain? You know, with him taking on that leadership role. Well, he definitely helps out with the fines and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> he, he's surprised me, Riz. He's, he's turned into a guy that can get things done if he needs to. In that sort of that sort of sense, he's such a laid back guy, but. If someone is, you know, late or if they don't pay their fines on time, you have him to deal with as long as, uh, as well as Ryan Scott. So I wouldn't want to be paying late or, or any of that stuff around those two. It seems like Ryan Scott keeps everybody honest, whether it's fines or uh, a bit of banter on the training ground if you miss a sitter, I imagine. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so uh, what does the next few weeks look like for you guys? Playing on Boxing Day, so when when's your Christmas yeah, I've been asking the club the same question, to be honest. <laughs> but I've been asking that same question to the league for, I don't know, 10 years. So <laughs> I feel like it might just be a quick drive down to um, my parents' place after training and just have a nice lunch and, mm. and that's it, get home to bed. So, um, you know, it, it's it's one of the sacrifices. Like for me, it's not a it's not a massive deal to miss out on Christmas to be able to play in a, in a big game on Boxing Day, but I can imagine for some people it would be. <laughs> And what about managing the current situation with, with COVID and everything? Everyone's a bit nervous. There's been games getting cancelled and postponed. We've seen some cup games that were going to go ahead, I mean, about now that aren't happening tonight. Yeah. Uh, what, how are the playing group feeling and, and what kind of measures do you guys have to take to, to live with that situation at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I guess we're no different in the sense that everyone's a little bit concerned, I would say. Um, mm. uh, it's obviously just not great to hear any news about this sort of stuff. Um, when we thought we were sort of clear of it all. But, yeah, in terms of what we're doing, we've done a lot of uh, – we do those tests every morning, the um, instant tests, and then we've had a fair few PCRs as well in the last couple of weeks as well. So, you know, we're just doing everything we can in the testing sense as well as just trying to be sensible as possible off it, off the pitch just to try and keep these games going because it's, all, it's what we all want to do. Yeah, and it, it seems as if Western United during that bubble season managed the – that's that – uh, experience in the bubble a little bit better than some of the other teams, just based on the football you guys were playing and the results you were getting on the field. Yeah, I think part of that might obviously be because we were in Coogee. That was nice. Uh, that always helps. Um, but yeah, that, that year was great because we sort of all just got together and, you know, we had a lot of... It's not dissimilar to what we have this year with all the boys getting around each other and the coaching staff as well and, and sort of that spirit that we sort of managed to find somewhere because I remember we were right on the precipice of making finals or not and I think we won 
seven in eight or something, something pretty crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So we went on a really good run. And I think that just comes down to how close we were as a group, mainly. Yeah, a, a key part of that, the close to season one was, uh, I, th- I think it was, yeah, six, six in seven, two, three match winning streaks, uh, split, yeah. split in the middle with a defeat. Obviously, we've gone one better now with four wins in a row. Um, how how much confidence is the group taking now that, um, you know, I guess we've we've made a bit of history for the club with the, the first ever four-match winning streak? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great. Um, obviously, we've still got a lot to improve on. We know that we haven't been great in all of those games. And the irony is we probably played our best stuff when we actually lost, which is the first game of the season. So... You know, I think it takes we take a lot of confidence out of confidence out of our resilience and things like that. But we know as a team we have to get um, better, and, and we will. Um, so it's not a bad place to be, considering you, we haven't seen our best yet. Absolutely, and I mean this run of clean sheets is unbelievable. Are you guys ever going to concede another goal? Uh, the defense seems invincible out there at the moment. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. But yeah, knocking doing... all the wooden surfaces <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just phenomenal the the run that you're on. But John Aloisi's been saying that oh, the attack's going to improve. The attack's going to improve. We we want to play attacking football. We're not a defensive minded side. Uh, but you still must take a lot of confidence out of the fact that you know if you score a goal, you're probably going to win the game. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, that's that's massive. And I think it goes back to the sort of the eight old, age old adage sort of thing that um, defense wins your championships. So. You know, I think that's really, really important in this day and age, especially just in the A-League and in, in, in football in general. So it definitely makes it a lot easier knowing and it probably almost relaxes the, the guys up front a little bit more knowing that, you know, there's just not too much pressure on getting too many goals, you know what I mean? So it sort of becomes more fluid and I think that's when the goals will start coming. You talk about winning championships and clean sheets and goals coming. We've got a, a question on the... Uh, the Facebook live stream from Joey Lynch, good friend of uh, of FNR. Uh, ask your thoughts on uh, the club adding a, an A-League women's team in the future. I'm not sure uh, how much or, or if any at all of the uh, Nike FC Cup final that you caught on uh, Sunday. Obviously a, a great partnership that the club has with Calder United, a, a 3-0 win uh, against South Melbourne, winning the fourth straight um a-League, uh, not sorry, A-League Women's, the fourth straight Nike FC Cup. So, yeah, what what are your thoughts on, I guess, the uh, adding an A-League Women's team and also um, the, the academy continuing to grow as well? Yeah, I think it's really, really important, obviously, to get the women's side of the game um, at our club up and running. And I'm, I'm fairly confident. In fact, I'm sure that that's definitely in the process and they're trying their best to get the team in as soon as possible. Um and obviously the academy system as well, it's it's great. Like every club is going towards more of that European model where people have a, a definitive pathway, um, somewhere where you can go as a kid and, and learn and learn the way of a club, the culture and everything all the way up through to the first team. And it's something that I think uh, we could have done well, uh, with when we were sort of coming through. Um, it's a bit different when we were, when I was sort of growing up with jumping around sort of clubs in 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 the MPL system before even before the MPL system, the super leagues and things like that. So I think it would definitely help a lot to sort of streamline that process. I mean you played in the National Youth League quite a bit, didn't you, for for Victory back in the day? Is that correct? Yeah, I played a fair bit at the start and uh, I was sort of only one one season because I was a bit older when I sort of mm. well not a bit older, I was nineteen when I ended up making my debut, but there were some kids in there in that youth team from sixteen and seventeen. So I think I played three quarters of that youth league season before making my debut and then signing professional after that. Because it, it seemed to me that for the league as a whole and, you know, FFA were running it beforehand and now it's it's transitioned to the APL and we haven't seen what new form that league is going to take. It's always seemed to me like a little bit of an afterthought, like there could be more done with that co- competition to give more opportunities for the for the young players to play against the best. Yeah, I mean, I think I was lucky because when I was in there, it was it seemed to be important and I'm not sure where where it sits on the agenda of things and stuff. I'm not really into all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but we were flying around the country and playing against the other youth leagues, uh, youth, league, youth league sides, and uh, that was an amazing experience for me coming from never being exposed to the system, I suppose, and it was never in state teams or the NTCs of Victoria or anything like that. So 
for me to get that exposure personally was great. And I can only speak from my experiences, but um, if we could get back to something, anything resembling that, I think it would be great for, for the young guys coming up. Because we spoke to Anthony Frost the other week and uh, he's the new academy director coming in for, for next year, adding more teams uh, to the club's youth ranks. And this sort of thrown together MPL3 side that you guys had last season that did really well given the short yeah. turnaround time from, uh, you know, inception to the first game, uh, you know, in line for, for promotion or competing for that uh, at the, up at the end of the season and, and above victory and city in the, in the table. And you're now seeing some of those young guys break into the first team picture. I mean, imagine what can be done with a little bit more time and investment in that program. T- tell us about some of the, the young guys that are coming through the academy that have impressed you. Yeah, there's been a fair few now. Obviously, we've, they, just from personal experience, I think these kids sort of do really well with playing in a men's competition, you know, where yeah. there's, there's teams with the men's kind of tactics and um, you know, they play that sort of way. And I, I was exposed to that at 16, which was at Melbourne City Football Club, which was great for me. Um, so the kids coming up, they're, they're almost, you know, obviously they're, they're still learning and stuff, but they're sort of bodies ready and they're, and they're ready to jump straight into first team training. Um, so... One in particular is definitely Ben Collins. He's done really, really well. And he, when he came, first came to the club, I remember uh, where he was at and things like that. And he's improved out of sight. And I, I don't know, don't know how. Honestly, I don't know how he's done such a good job so quickly. And can't speak more highly of him as a person and as a bloke as well. You know, we've obviously got a disu in there that's really, really technical and can take on players and things like that. And and uh, and Reese Bozanowski as well. I think he. I'm not sure how much of the MPL he played. I think he's sort of come across from another um, mm. another club in the same competition, but he's been a really, really good acquisition as well. I mean, that's uh, phenomenal, the improvement that we've seen out of Ben. We interviewed him the other week, and he's he's very grown up for his age. He seems a little bit older than, what is he, 19, 20? I, I think he's my age, 21. 21, okay. Yeah. But he, he, seems, <laughs> he seems like a seasoned pro. He's got that kind of future captain energy about him, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? He sits, he sits really close to me in the dressing room, so we have a good chat um, a fair few times uh, just about everything, and he's, he's definitely got a good head on those shoulders. So, Is is that something um, that you, I guess, are, are taking on now as you get further into your career, um, trying to have a little bit more influence with some of the younger guys? Yeah, to an extent. Um, it was probably, yeah, like sort of when we were growing up, I remember it was kind of pretty hard. Like it was kind of the probably end of the old generation where it was pretty tough to come into a dressing room and, and earn your place. But I think now that us boys are kind of a bit older, sort of trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible just to be, be themselves and express themselves. Um, so that's sort of the way I've been trying to look at it, but yeah, I just treat them all as my mates really and just try and help where I can. Well, uh, you're certainly expressing yourself on the pitch at the moment, mate. Two two winners in a row. Uh, are you going to make it three on the weekend against your former club? I mean, hopefully. Obviously, it would be nice. Um, you know, it's sort of just sort of two really good opportunities that I managed to take in the last couple of weeks, and I'll just be getting in the right areas. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Like I said before, hopefully I'll set up um, old mate Walesy as well. So. That's sort of the goal too because um, he rats around like no tomorrow. So he deserves to go off the mark. And, um, yeah, but, I, you know, I don't have to score as long as we get the points. That's all that really matters. Well, Connor, best of luck over the weekend. Uh, have a great Christmas as well, however uh, modest the celebrations are as a professional athlete and stay safe. And uh, we'll check in with you later on in the season. Will do. No worries, guys. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to Connor Payne and Merry Christmas to all the Western United fans tuning in. Uh, We're going to take a short break and speak to one of those fans, Nick. Uh, Caleb Trimble, who has a very special tattoo, is going to join us for a Western United super quiz. So stay with us here on The Green Room, presented by Simmons. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio.
And we're back here on the Green Room on FNR Football Nation Radio, streaming on the Western United Facebook page as well. This show presented proudly by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. And we are delighted to be joined now by a Western United super fan. He also co-hosts the All Out West podcast, Caleb Trimble. Welcome to the Green Room. Thanks, Nick and Josh, for having me. Glad uh, to be on. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, tell us about your Western United jersey uh, journey. Sorry, and your jersey. Journey, You're wearing a jersey as well. Say, tell tell us about your jersey. Too. All right, the jersey's the first one yep. from the FFA Cup game. Got it from Dalibor Markovic. So, quick shout out to him. I know a few of the fellas and um, the kids as well got jerseys that game. Since we probably won't be needing them again, but yeah, <laughs> every, every, everyone was stoked to get those. But uh, the journey, anyway. I'm, Born and bred Werribee, Wyndham, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth generation, that type of thing. So as soon as there was a uh, club coming into our backyard, I was straight onto it. So following from the early days of the Western Melbourne group and seeing where they headed, and then once we actually got the licence, it was just, it was really good to see, not just for myself as a football fan, but for everybody in the area, um, yeah, of Wyndham and the West of Melbourne just to see that we're going to have our own stadium and that we've got our own football club out here that can represent us all. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, tell us about your uh, your experiences. Have you been in amongst the active support? Do you prefer to observe the game from a higher vantage point? What's your what's the go there? Yeah, no, definitely right in the active support. Made a fair few good friends in there as well. We were um, a couple of the first ones that had a few meetings and worked out a couple of chants at the beginning and went along to the um, first few pre-season games at St George Cross, which was really good fun to meet people, create banners. So I definitely like getting in the active, even though I understand if people want to watch the game a little bit more because you do miss a little bit. I'll- we are back. Oh, oh, we're back. We had a few uh, a few. Uh, tradies working next door. I think they might have nicked something and now we've got some uh, in and out audio tonight. So we do apologize for that. Uh, we're going to make sure it's fixed up over the festive period. But uh, yeah, it's been a little bit flaky. We've had a few dropouts. Um, let talk about actually starting active support from scratch and coming up with those chants and that kind of experience because I imagine that's pretty unique. You get to be the first ones who sing the songs that end up being sung, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line potentially. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great opportunity, something that myself and a few friends and then other people I've met along the way really wanted to be a part of. It was, yeah, we wanted to create a good atmosphere and identity for the club. So it began with um, just a couple of guys made a Facebook group, um, saw, asked around, invited people that were in other Facebook groups who had liked Western United on social media and said, look, who would like to get an active support going? And then over time, more and more people jumped on, uh, more and more people came along to games. It's It was just a matter of us trying out a few chants, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't, seeing what stuck, seeing what everyone liked, because we don't want to be a proper... Um, yeah, dictatorship as well. We'd, we'd like everybody to, yeah, have a bit of input too. So um, everyone, we like a lot of people having to go on the megaphone and that sort of thing. So it happened a lot more on, organically than I thought it would, which um, which was really nice to see as well because, yeah, you don't want to be pushing things on to people, especially when you're meant to be there just for the love and the passion and the fun. There seems to be a, a great relationship with the players as well between uh, between the playing group and that active support, particularly on this winning run that we're on at the moment. Um, you know, a, a lot of appreciation post game. I know uh, Ryan Scott's a, a big favourite, and he often gets on the megaphone and um, and does that sort of back and forth chant behind the goal. How I guess how special is that connection uh, with the playing group and and the active support? Well, it probably Spurs. Uh, both sets on, the players and the fans. It, it spurs us on to do our best for them because we can tell how much they enjoy and love it and they want to give back to us that are there in and out supporting every single week, promoting the club and doing what we can to yeah try and make us as big and successful as possible. I mean, it, it's pretty cool to see it slowly grow and grow and, I mean, the club, I think, have, have tried to accelerate things with a, with a few initiatives uh, notably, uh, the most uh, outlandish of which is the pyrotechnics that have been go- going off and, and giving us in the media box a heart attack every time they do. Are you a fan of the uh, the safe smoke and the fireworks? 
I'm a big fan of it, but I'll have to admit it's it's terrified me on a few occasions <laughs> when I haven't expected it as well. <laughs> but I do like it. I think it adds to the atmosphere, especially for uh, people who wouldn't go to the sport as often. They come along and they can they can see a smoke and fire show as well. So yeah, it just it adds to the whole atmosphere of the game. I understand you. Yeah. It's just, it's not when we're we're not paying attention. It's it's because everybody's writing up their match reports in the press box and looking at their laptops, and then suddenly something explodes right of frame. (laughs) We think we're under attack, but uh, if you're actually in the active end, I imagine it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, So, shall we get into it then? I mean. We might get you to reveal your tattoo at the end. We'll leave that as as a tease because that's that's a great one. Um, But this quiz. You, you've got some stiff competition today. Uh, I've written Thank the you. questions. Don't you dare peek, Nick Hughes. Don't you no. dare peek. We can't have no, any allegations of, of cheating on this. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be uproar on the Nick, next edition of the All Out West podcast. Nick Dubano cheated plenty of times in our <laughs> lockdown quizzes. So. <laughs> uh, the allegations flying around already. So uh, you're up against a champion quizzer here. He is the, the reigning FNR quiz master of lockdown of last year. Uh, he's also part of the Western United media team, so he's got a little bit of an unfair advantage. So with the format, we've decided to give you every chance and uh, and go hard quiz style. So first questions to you. If you can't get it, Nick Hughes, opportunity to come in and steal the point. Does that sound fair? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, C- Caleb's been a fan from, from day one, so I'm, I'm expecting... Oh, he's, he's talking I'm down expectations. Expecting, excuses are coming out, the, out. I'm expecting to be blown out of the water here, but I'm... I'm <laughs> the, looking, pre- the pressure's on. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, question number one. Who did Western United play in their first ever friendly match? Friendly match? Yes. First game the club ever put on. Easy peasy. Was there myself, and that's when I made a few friends. George Cross, FC. There you go, Caroline Springs. George Cross, one point on the board already. All right, that one, that one was easy. Now it, now it ramps up. I did know that one for the record. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you knew where they trained, you know, the last couple of seasons, it would be pretty easy. But question two: Who were the two Western United players to have scored a goal in Tasmania while playing for Western United? Let's be clear. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'd say one is Connor Payne. Mm-hmm. That was one. I've got a as I, as I said, Connor Payne scored in the game that I wasn't there. I was in the, there for the first game, and you tend to miss more when you actually are in the active. So that first one, I've got a really. How much time do I have? Ten second countdown. <laughs> Ooh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll go ad hoc. If, if you can get it in the next ten seconds or so. Give you every chance. Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll pass it over to Husey yeah. for for the yeah, to even I'll, it up. Yeah, I'll just have to have a stab in the dark. Let's say uh, Lockie Wales. Lockie Wales yeah, is right, well and you you're in lead two points <laughs> to nil. So Connor Payton scored the winner against Central Coast Mariners in a one nil, and the next game is one one against Wellington Phoenix, where Lockie Wales got on the score sheet and Beautiful uh, goal too, yeah, it was a very nice goal. Question three, and this one I'll let you both answer. I'll let you go come in on this one. This is the closest to the pin. I'm not expecting you to get it on the dot, but if you do, I will be very impressed. Bessart Barisha is the club's leading goal scorer, but how many goals in total did he net in green and black? Do I go first? Yeah, go you on. First. Does it count just A-League competitions? Just, or just A-League. Just A-League. 26? Hmm... I'm gonna. I reckon it might have been a few more. I'm gonna say. Oh, uh, well, no! He only played two seasons, didn't he? Uh, I'm gonna say twenty-one. Twenty-six is actually spot on the money. That's a blackjack there, <laughs> wow. and that is three points for Caleb. I might have underestimated him here. Gee, Some of the questions we took off the table. That's too hard. That's too mean. I should have. <laughs> I should have gone I'm all out. I'm sweating. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> all right. Question Dang four. On. Who was Western United's first ever signing? It was Panacone. Panayotis Kone is correct. Four from four. Question five. Which country has new signing Rene Krahin represented internationally? Internationally. Oh, it was. Oh, because there was two. He was born in Switzerland, as far as I'm aware, but he represented Serbia. 
I'm going to go to Nick Hughes on that one. That's incorrect. I think, getting, I think mixed up with uh, Alexander Prejevic. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, Rene Kuhn is uh, Slovenian. In Slovenia is correct. Nick Hughes gets one on the board. Yeah. It's 4-1. <laughs> He's off the mark. Question number six. Outside of Australia, Alessandro Diamanti has played club football in three countries. Can you name them? Well, there's definitely England and Italy, and the other one would have been China. China is correct. There you go. 5-1. He's smashing this, Caleb. We'll see if he can go a clean sweep through the rest of them. Question seven, and it's Diamanti-related again. Famously scored the winning penalty in a Euro 2012 shootout, but against which country and against which goalkeeper did he slot it past? Ooh. God. I can't even... So it's Euro 2012 quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals. Yeah, I remember the game. I remember the celebration. It's just I was more focused on him in Italy. Uh, it wasn't Spain, was it? It wasn't Spain. They actually end up losing no. to Spain in the final. They played yeah. them in the group stage as well. So they played Spain twice that tournament. That's where I'm getting I'm going to go to Nick Hughes on this one. Uh, I believe it was England uh, and Joe Hart. That is correct. <laughs> famous uh, Andre Pilos told the yeah. story when Joe Hart was giving him too much lip, so he thought, all right, I'm going to Penenkia. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the penalty. <laughs> Everyone remembers the Penenka clear as day as soon as you say it. 5-2 uh, is the score so far. Question eight, which of these players was not in Western United's inaugural starting 11 against Wellington Phoenix? So I'm going to give you four names. You've got to tell me who the odd one out is. Make sense? Yep. Dario Yurtets, Brendan Hamill, Scott McDonald, Connor Payne. One of those guys. Starting lineup. The starting lineup. Match day one, Wellington Phoenix, 2019. Yeah. Do you want me to give you those names well, again? It wasn't Connor Payne, so you don't have to give me that one. Uh, so Dario Yurtets, Brendan Hamill, Scott McDonald, you've narrowed it down to. One of those players yeah. did not start. Yeah, Dario Yurtets did start. Uh, 50-50. I, I think it... Back line, back line. Three at the back. I'm going to go Scott McDonald. Oh, you were so close. Oh. <laughs> you were so close. I guess it by default, I, now that you narrowed it down, I yeah. guess you're going to say I, I, I BJ. Promise, I promise I was going to say Brendan Hamill. All right. well. <laughs> we'll, we'll, honesty policy, we'll give Nick Hughes the point. It's 5-3. So he didn't play until round four, apparently, which surprised me. I think the okay, back line okay. was Goulam, Durante, and Connor Chapman that day. Mm. But, uh, stretching the memory a little bit. All right, this one's a little bit more recent. Who did Western United beat in their first ever finals appearance? This was an elimination final. That would have been uh, Brisbane Raw. Brisbane Raw. They beat them 1-0 and uh, guess who scored the free kick? <laughs> My <one>. old friend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, help me out here with the math, Nicky's. That's 6-3, six, six, I believe. 6-3. Three. Six, so three. You've, you've, already, you've already got it in the bag here. <laughs> Which defensive midfielder scored twice in a memorable Westgate derby win? Scored twice, defensive midfielder. Oh, Victor Sanchez. Victor Sanchez, of yeah. course. 95th minute winner, which sent Roods <laughs> running down the touchline for the stacks on. <laughs> and uh, finally, and this one's the most important question because it relates uh, to your shin bone. What does poi bo mean? Poi bo means, uh, well, there's a few different sayings. It's kind of be happy, live life to its fullest, take every day as it comes. We'll give you that. And if you want to show us off the tattoo as the grand finale, Caleb. Going to be a bit awkward to get up here. Here we go. We're a test of his flexibility. Has he been doing his yoga? He has the poi bow tattoo, Alessandro Diamante themed. Fantastic stuff. Quick shout out to Mason Jake, who also got one with me. So I think there'll be a couple of other boys on the train getting some Western tattoos in the future. Absolutely. Well, we love to see it. Caleb Trimble, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You've absolutely smashed Nick Hughes in the quiz, so uh, might have to remove that quizzing champion (laughs) crown from your head. I didn't get a chance to answer the question. Excuses, excuses over here. I've been failed by the format. (laughs) Next time you you don't have to make it as easy. Mm, All right. We'll uh, we'll, we'll have to give you a sterner test next time. But thank you so much for joining us and uh, keep the support going for the rest of the year. We love it. Thanks for having me, fellas.
Caleb Trimble from the All Out West podcast, Western United super fan and uh, recipient of a Poi Boa tattoo. We'll take a short break, and on the other side, we'll uh, we'll preview the Westgate Derby coming up here on the Green Room. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. And we're back for the final time this evening here on the Green Room, the official Western United Club show, brought to you on FNR, Football Nation Radio, my proud club partners, Simmons, the great Australian builder, Simmons Homes, I should say, uh, as proudly displayed on the uh, the front of the kits. Jeez, the kits are good this season. We're, it always always smashing it, the Kappa gear. We're, and we're nice and, and close to them now with this little makeshift uh, setup. Usually they're a little bit further away, but I can uh, can touch it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I worry for the kits every time you're in the studio, Nick Hughes, because you are a you're a kit man. Yeah. You're a, an yeah. aficionado of fashion. I worry that they're going to all disappear from the mannequins <laughs> at the end of the night. But I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to make sure I, uh, I get my hands on a couple from the from the club at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic game coming up this weekend. I cannot wait for this. I'll tell you what, Sunday, 26th of the December, that's Boxing Day football. It's like we're in, in Premier League. It's, mm. uh, it's great stuff. And all the games in Premier League are getting cancelled anyway. So, uh this one, as far as we know, going ahead as planned. Melbourne victory versus Western United. The Westgate derby. So many good memories in this fixture. Mm. So many great games. We mentioned the Victor Sanchez winner, the 4-3 ridiculous game uh, last season. Of course, the, the famous 3-2 comeback as well, where victory took an early lead inside 10 minutes and then slowly capitulated as Mark Rodin's side picked them apart. Mm. Can Western United make more history in this one? What's your What's your tip for this based on victory's recent form? Because this is second v third. This is top of the league stuff. Exactly, and you said it to to Connor Payne when we were chatting to him earlier. You you asked him, "Is this team going to concede a goal ever?" And it because it, it honestly doesn't look like it. And you know, there's there's been a mix of personnel. Um, you know, Leo mm-hmm. dropped out one week. Nikolai Topol Stanley's come in. He's done done it at centre back. He's done it at left back. The the whole structure. You know, again, we we spoke to Connor about his role and the the role of the the entire eleven in in that defensive uh, setup. And it's it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a great turnaround from um, what was a, a disappointing season last season defensively in particular I think the the second uh, most goals conceded uh, across the a league uh, last season but yeah I mean both sides in in great form victory coming off a, um, a hugely intense uh, Melbourne derby uh, the weekend just gone uh, I think we've had one extra day or two extra days recovery um, between from Playing Adelaide on the on the Friday night, so but no, it, it should be a cracker. I think the the round one game was still you know round one. Everyone's always mm-hmm. getting back into that swing of things, uh, but now with uh, with a few games in between, uh, I think it's going to be a cracker. And uh, and Western United now um, has something to something to uh, avenge. Just on the the note of the defence. I look at those two goals that Victory scored against Melbourne City and all due respect to Melbourne City, of course. They're the reigning champions and they deserve to be treated with that. Um, you know, if until uh, the, taken, the crown is taken off them, uh, they are still the reigning champions. But there is no way that this Western United backline is conceding either of the goals that Victory scored against them in the Melbourne Derby mm. on the weekend. Um I'm trying to rack my brain. I can't so even remember Jake the first Brimmer, one, but I know quick the free kick. Ah, oh, of course, yeah. Defence yep. completely asleep, yep. playing Marjota on side. Letting and him through one v one, lava clearance slash through ball. <laughs> yeah, the goalkeeper clearing the ball up the field. Yeah. A centre back completely misjudging the flight of the ball and following Robbie Cruz into no man's land and just letting it bounce. Like that's a that's a coach's nightmare. And then the the keeper mistake as well. I mean, you've got to say 
letting it squirm mm. under your mm. arm like that. I mean, I think Jamie Young's probably stopping that. So, yeah. I mean, it's like uh, John Aloisi said, like Jamie Young's in good form and it's, it takes a, a good shot to beat him. Um, you know, he wasn't having any of it when the press pack suggested that Ben Halloran's goal should have counted yep. because the referee didn't play advantage. He said, my play has stopped, the whistle's gone, and Jamie Young's not getting beaten from there if the game isn't already dead. So I don't think he would been would have been beaten by that Nick D'Agostino shot either. So I think Victory are going to have to create better chances than they did against Melbourne City if they want to want to break this, this defense open. Absolutely. And another thing that... Um that John Aloisi said post game in the press conference as well was, um, you know, he was asked about uh, not not being able to kill off a game because you know we we haven't quite been free scoring, um, but he said you know if you score if you score once and you don't concede then you do kill off a game because you're going to win every time and um, that really mm. seems to be the um, not so much the focus but you know if you keep a clean sheet you give yourself a 50 percent chance of winning rather than a 33 percent chance of winning technically yeah uh, so it's and, and as as he said multiple times as well the attack will uh, will get better um you know Dylan Wen- well Dylan Wenzel Halls and Alexander Previch whoever later down the line whoever occupies that number nine position or whether they do start together you know they're both new players. Again, spoke to Connor Payne about a, a, a new role or a pre-existing role, but a, a newer role to him now. Ah, oh, it's um, like riding a bike. Yeah, <laughs> so everyone's everyone's getting uh, getting used to that uh, that structure and those partnerships up front. But no, you, you're exactly right. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this game. Um, I think victory have won the last two, uh, obviously including the the big one at the end of last season. Uh, but prior to that, West United had a, a great record against victory. So there's reasons for both teams to come in with confidence. Loads of quality players on the pitch, two great coaches on the on the sidelines as well. It's uh, it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. So this one's at Amy Park, 7.45 kickoff on Boxing Day. I mean, no one's got anything better to do on yeah. Boxing Day. No right? one's got. No Everyone's one's just going lying around trying to recover from all the food they've eaten the previous. That's certainly my experience. Uh, not the Western United players, of course. <laughs> you know, Connor Payne's driving to his parents to eat, you know, quinoa and kale or salads, something, and yep. salads only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I think Boxing Day football is a great tradition in um, in England. Maybe the players don't love it because it mm. means they can't spend time relaxing and, and celebrating with their families. Could but be, for fans, I think it's great. Could be worse. Could be the NBA and play on Christmas Day, to be fair. but uh, Then yeah. Western United would have to put out a Christmas kit and then I would have to buy the kit, so I'm glad that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, it wouldn't be good for my, my bank balance. Imagine but. that. I wonder what Kappa could come up with for a, a Christmas design. Well, I mean, you've already got the green, so I think you only need to add a few dots of red and you've got mistletoe all over it. You know, that's... That, I'm just putting that idea out there for free. You know, Sounds you know? good to me. <laughs> <laughs> the like dilemma it. for me is left back at the moment. Is Ben Garuccio back in contention for this week? Are you aware? Or? Uh, no, I'm not aware. Okay, uh, so we'll, keep we'll that one see. under our hats uh, for yeah. now. But Nikolai Topo Stanley, he did well against Adelaide, I have to say, but that's not his position. So yeah, it was... I think there were a few moments later in the game where Bernardo was running at him mm. um, that, you know, for a player of his age and his legs, you know, that's tough in the last 20 minutes. I thought he held up really well against it, but that's going to be a spot where victory are probably going to put someone like Chris Economides and just go at him. So Western United have to be prepared for that. And I liked Connor Payne's situational awareness. I'm sure the bench were telling him to do it as well, but his game awareness to track back and, and help out Topper mm. Stanley in that position and sort of almost double up on that flank when in a situation and a stage of the game where, where Nikolai really needed that. Yeah, and and Neil Kilkenny as well was was coming across um, again, particularly late on when it does get to that time where um, yeah you, you're more so thinking about holding on for the win rather than uh, going on and, and scoring another goal. It was it was interesting to watch the the structure from um, from up above in the um, is it level two where the where the boxes are um, sort of one point five yeah <laughs> pretty much. But uh, it was it was interesting to see because it was. Certainly in the first half, I think in the second half, maybe less so, but it, it was a bit of that sort of flexible three into four at the back, sort of in and out of possession where in possession it looked like it became a three uh, with uh, Topo Stanley on the left of the three, uh, Lacroix in the middle and Tamaki on the right. Um, and then, yeah, you, you mentioned Connor Payne, I, I guess sort of in possession he sort of was 
back to a little bit back mm-hmm. to that wing back role uh, and and getting up and down. You know, we know those attackers uh, have the engine and the and the work ethic. Uh, when you guys spoke to Lockie Wales a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, it's a it's a part of his game that he takes a lot of pride in as well. Uh, that that defensive defensive side of the game. So I think the the positive for well one of many positives for Western United at the moment is that it seems like everyone's just pulling in the same direction and and the squad depth at the moment means that you know players can come in out of position like Nikolai Topol Stanley did and uh and not only um just fit in but really uh, play a serviceable role as well. well the structure is strong just need to add a few more goals and mm. suddenly Western United Already sitting pretty in the table, are flying to uh, to contending for the title, but early days yet. Uh, yeah. Titles aren't won in the first five games for so. sure. Yeah, Neil Kilkenny was uh, speaking on RSN this morning, and he said, "You know, we're we're happy, but it's uh, it's five games in, so yeah, you're exactly right. A, a long way to go, but at the same time, you know, we know you can look back at at previous uh, previous years, previous league tables. There's a, a trend for how many games you need to win to make the finals, so." You know, if it's a sort of 12, 13 game mark, you know, already a third of the way there. So it's it's certainly a fantastic start. You want to start a season strong. You want to finish a season strong as well. So this sort of in-between period now I think is is going to be really important and, and really exciting to see uh, how we go. My last question for the night. It's Boxing Day football. We know it's not Christmas Day, but talking about fashions and sideline fashions, who will be the best dressed on the touchline? Will it be... Uh, Diego Simeone, sorry, uh, Tony Popovich <laughs> or John Aloisi? Because we've seen Johnny rock the three-piece before. Uh, he looks mm. good in a suit, Johnny. And and uh, Tony Popovich is all, always about the svelte dark numbers as yes. well. Yeah, he is. Uh, John's been looking good in the, the Peter Jackson suit in the last couple of weeks. I'm... Uh, I'm liking it. It's Money's on that. Do you think you'll have something special for the occasion? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little... Uh Little bit a little carnation or something, Christmas, Christmas holly pin or something. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see, or um, maybe you'll be out on the Boxing Day sales in the morning and uh, and surprise us with uh, with something special. We'll we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> All right, we'll get down there to Amy Park. It's going to be a fabulous game. Let's uh, show victory what the, what Western United can bring and what fans like Caleb, who's gone to the mm. links of getting a tattoo, can uh, can bring to the active support. Fantastic. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And just before uh, mm. we sign off, uh, I know you guys had Mark Tocazo planned last week but uh, didn't uh, didn't quite work out mm-hmm. with, with some technical dif- difficulties. But uh, a massive shout-out from the club to Coldy United. What a fantastic achievement oh, on Sunday. Uh, four Nike FC Cup wins in a row. Uh, Alex Sinclair doing what she does best as, as captain, leading from the front with two goals. And goodness me, Montana Matthews was with an absolute screamer in between them as well. Um, so a big congratulations to to Coldy United. Um, certainly very proud of that partnership at the club and um, looking forward to, to seeing where that goes um, going forward. And hopefully uh, around the corner is a, an A-League women's opportunity. But just wanted to get that shout out in there because uh, I know you guys missed out on on Mark mm-hmm. last week, so um, well done. Good things happening at Coldy United. So I think it's as good a time as any to start looking at what the club's doing in the MPL scene with the partnership with Calder and with the MPL 3 side coming into next year. I tell you what, that MPL 3 uh, junior side is really, really good to watch. Mm. And Calder United have set the benchmark in the competition for years and years. So... Get down and watch them. They're uh, affiliated with the club now, and who knows what might happen uh, in the A-League women's next year. We might see a a veteran like Alex Sinclair finally get her professional opportunity. That would be... What a story that would be. It would be incredible. But... uh, don't want to put the cart before the horse, but that's uh, I'm 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 hoping and praying that's uh, that's going to happen. Uh, we'll sign off here on the green room. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break over the Christmas period, and we will be back the week of January 10th. So January 12th will be the next green room show. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, just do a little bit of a tune up here in the FNR studios mm. and work out what on earth they're doing next door. But uh, yeah, we do apologise for a couple of audio dropouts in the late start tonight. Just a few things out of our control. We're going to get that sorted. Over the Christmas break, and we hope you uh, see your families, stay safe, and uh, have a fantastic time watching Western United 
try and continue their run of wins and clean sheets up at the uh, the pointy end of the A-League table. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. So stay tuned. And uh, until next time, it's goodbye for now. Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio.